Hello everyone, Rob Guest from Football.London here and welcome to Golden Guest Talk Tottenham, Football.London's brand new Tottenham podcast. We've been away for quite a while now, but we're back bigger and better than ever. As you can tell by the title of our podcast, I am, of course, joined by Alistair Gold, Football.London's Tottenham correspondent. Ali, it's definitely good to be back, isn't it? It is, it is. I think I'm probably bigger than I was three and a half years ago, but I don't think I'm better uh, it's fantastic to be back and it's great that, you know, we chose a really quiet time to gently introduce this podcast back into people's lives. You know, nothing major going on at Tottenham Hotspur. Oh, they do like to do it to us, don't they? They really do. But hey, it gives us lots to talk about. It gets us lots of things that we can discuss and hopefully get the uh, people listening to have, have a good listen as well on our first podcast back. Yeah, most definitely. As you said, there's plenty to talk about today. Harry Kane's future, Christian Romero, potential incoming from Atalanta, other transfers. We've also had the uh, Europa Conference League playoff draw, which I'm sure everyone is thrilled about. But anyway, <laughs> we'll start with uh, Harry Kane's future. And Kane, the England captain, obviously has been playing at the Euros this summer. He was due to return to Hotspur Way today to take uh, COVID tests and other blood works. But Obviously, he's uh, as everyone's well aware, he's not turned up amid talk of a summer transfer to Manchester City. Now, this is a transfer saga. I think everyone's expected it's going to rumble on right on, up until the deadline on August the 31st. Do you want to just fill us in with the latest, Ali, as you've been covering the story this morning? Yeah, well, I started this morning thinking, you know what? Got a nice little kind of update on Christian Romero. I'm going to write that. Yeah, nice positive stuff. Good for the Spurs fans to know. And then Harry Kane decided otherwise. So, um, yeah, it's it's a bit of a strange situation all round, to be honest, because he was expected back today, Hotspur Way, like you say, to do um, his COVID tests and blood work and things like that. Just, you know, what they normally do on their first day back. However, it's slightly odd for me, I kind of think, that Everyone else beforehand seemed to get about a month off. You know, you had the likes of Joe Roden, Ben Davies, Hugo Lloris. They were all kind of, it was roughly a month from their final game at the tournament they were in at Euros to coming back to Hotspur Way. Whereas with the players that kind of got further, in a, in a weird way, it's almost like they got slightly penalised. There's like, you know, you've got to come back a little bit sooner than that. Um, I understand Pierre-Emil Hoybier and uh, Giovanni Celso came back even earlier than they were meant to, and they've actually been back in training for a few days. But, yeah, Harry Kane was was expected back today to do those tests and didn't appear. Um, what I would say is I know he was in the Bahamas on Friday, I believe it was, um, and... You know, the, the logistics of suddenly getting back and being back in training on a Monday, having been in the Bahamas on the Friday, it's obviously doable, but I don't know how it entirely works with, obviously, this was pre-isolation changes, you know, to, to stuff. And obviously, I'd, I'd very much, I don't, wouldn't imagine many of the Premier League footballers are double-jabbed as well. There's all that kind of area to get into. It's it's very messy. It's Tottenham Hotspur, so it's messy. Of course it is. It's not Lionel. It's, you know, the other kind of messy that we don't like. Um, and, and that's been the case with Harry Kane. And and now we have the saga, which has been lurching from one kind of event to the next, now takes another turn. Um, and, yeah, I'm intrigued to see which way it goes now because I don't know about you, but I kind of feel this is only going to make Spurs even more, like, dig in their heels. Yeah, 100%. It's, uh, I mean, we've seen transfer sagas like this in the past, whereas... You know, players don't turn up to training in order to try and force a move to a club. But, I mean, this isn't just a player on the periphery of the first team. This is Tottenham's main man, after all. This is uh, Harry Kane, obviously the main striker at Tottenham, England captain, the amount of goals he scored last season. I mean, this is going to be extremely interesting to see what happens now. I've got a feeling that this probably will drag on right until the end of the transfer window. I mean, this is usually how things like this play out. But like you said, Daniel Levy's probably just going to dig his heels in now. He's just going to go, well, <laughs> since you've done this, then no, our move's, our move's not happening. So it's, uh, as you said, it's going to be really interesting. I mean, it's a bit of a dangerous game as well as playing because obviously we know 
Man City are going to what looks like sign Jack Grealish for 100 million uh, this summer. So could potentially City all of a sudden say, well, we don't have the money to buy Kane now. Because what we know is, obviously Spurs have always maintained of no intention of selling him this summer. And probably to even open a conversation with Daniel Levy, you're talking of a bid of around 150 million. Now that's a lot of money on top of what they're going to pay for Jack Grealish. And City previously had never really topped 70 million in terms of uh, the transfers. So it's going to be really interesting because, I mean, in this transfer window, it's not really a lot of clubs who can afford him given the current situation. So it's really limited uh, until uh, up to clubs where he could potentially join. So, as you said, it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out now. Yeah, I mean, he's already said as well, he's made it clear he doesn't want to move abroad. So that really limits who can go for him. Um, and like you say, the Man City side of things, I just, I don't know, it just kind of feels like a little bit of, I don't want to be too hard and say like desperation to it all, but it just sounds from Kane's side, I don't know. It's just, I mean, you look at Man City and like you say, you know, they, they've already indicated to, you know, we know various journalists kind of on the Manchester beat and they've already had it very clearly indicated to them that Man City have no intention of meeting the kind of figures that Tottenham are looking to even start dialogue about Kane. So for me, I, I don't I don't kind of get what this achieves. And, and you know, it spurs whatever way you want to look at it. You can look at it, of course. I'd be intrigued to see how the fans do take this because you can look at it from one side and, of course, you can say... Harry Kane has done wonders for Tottenham. He's done amazing things for Tottenham Hotspur. And, and probably if there's one player, maybe you don't begrudge going off and, and trying to win uh, silverware somewhere else. It probably is Harry Kane purely because of how much he's done. Then you've got the other side to it where people will say, and I think there's a slight point to it as well, of he's had those chances with Tottenham. He's had the chances to win silverware and perhaps in the biggest of games, whether it be because of coming back from injury or whether it because just the team didn't perform around him, he hasn't really done it in those big, big games for Tottenham. Um, and, you know, I had this conversation with someone the other day and I was saying, personally, I kind of feel like Sonny is maybe more of a big game player for Tottenham than Kane is. And that's, you know, it sounds ridiculous when you think of what incredible player Harry Kane is. But I actually do wonder whether Son in those big games has been the one that's turned up that little bit more. Obviously, you know, you think of Man City games, you think of it. And don't get me wrong, Harry Kane has scored against big teams. That's not what we're saying. It's more about kind of, I suppose, semi-finals, quarterfinals, finals, things like that. Um, and it'd be interesting to see which way the fans go now, because I know certainly within the club, they haven't been happy about the whole situation and the way it's been dealt with. Because obviously, you know, you can list them. You've got... Obviously, the news leaked that he wanted to leave right slap bang when Spurs were kind of in their running. Um, it didn't help Ryan Mason whatsoever, who ironically is Harry Kane's for his best mate. Then after that, we had the interview with Gary Neville that went out before the end of the season, which, you know, I, I wouldn't say there was too much wrong with the interview itself, but I'd probably just question the timing of not releasing that just after the season had finished. Um, because... I'm trying to remember which game it was. Was it the Aston Villa game? It was either after the interview, it was after the story broke, when Harry Kane was, not to put too fine upon it, he, he was pretty dreadful. Um, and, and bearing in mind how magnificent he'd been across the season, it was such a subpar performance from him. And you can't help but think that did play a little bit of a part in it, whatever was said afterwards. So obviously you had that. And, um, and then obviously we had the front page story that came from his brother's wedding, obviously his brother is also his agent. Front page, you know, we're, talking, we're not even talking a back page story, we're talking a front page story of a deal agreed of which both clubs just went, uh, what? And now we have this and it's kind of like, you know, I'm sure Kane's side will talk of this talk from their side of this gentleman's agreement. Um, you know, how many times have we heard of gentleman's agreements, which it sounds such a cliche, but they're not worth the paper they're written on because they're not written down on paper. That's exactly the point. And it's just like, I don't know. We hear this expression too many times, I kind of feel. And of course, Kane's side, they may be very frustrated. Um, but then on the flip side, I just don't feel that the way this has been gone about is doing them any favours if their end goal is to move on. It just seems, I just worry now that if if this 
goes from being a one-off thing because you know you can explain away to um, his first day missed as a misunderstanding or something else because you know the club officially have not made any comment on this whatsoever. You know they haven't they haven't put out anything at all other than you know previously we had obviously they said he's not for sale. The tension has not changed. There's no intention to sell him. But on this, there's been no no word whatsoever. Um, and, you know, you could explain it away. But if it becomes anything more than just a one-off, you start to get into the territory where I think the fans will start to turn and they will start to kind of however much one of their own he's been and, and however much he's done for the club, no football fan likes to see you, I suppose, disrespect the club. You know, I think that's kind of what it would be. And And then you get into an even messier scenario of, is, does it become a breach of contract if he does anything more? You know, we may be slightly out of our egging this. It may be that he's, he returns to training very you know, very soon. And this maybe just was a one-off thing. It was maybe just a point of a little bit of, how do I put it? A little bit of control, a little bit of showing what he could do, maybe that sort of stuff. Or who knows? It could just purely be a misunderstanding. And that could be all it is. But <laughs> I think with everything that came before it, I think that's why it kind of feels like slightly more than that. But I just I just worry. I don't think he can entirely tarnish his legacy. Of course you can't because he's been, you know, he's the second highest scorer in Tottenham's history. But I just just worry about tarnishing that that relationship with the fans, which for me is one of the most incredible relationships in football. Harry Kane and the Tottenham fans, you know, singing, you know, as one of our own. It's just been an amazing thing to see over the years. And I just I just hope it's not tarnished. So when are we expecting him to turn up then at Tottenham? Do we think he'll be back on Tuesday? Is this one thing where he's just going to keep playing it out? So, I mean, at the moment, it's obviously disrespectful to the club, to Nuno Espirito Santo, who, who he's not even met as Tottenham manager just yet. Uh, obviously, the players, the fans. I know, obviously, Man City need a striker this summer and Kane would probably like to go there if he can get a move. I mean, when can we expect him back? Well, this is the thing. Like I say, this this is the little bit that needs clarity for me is this this holiday to the Bahamas, exactly what has to happen. There's a little, seems to be a lack of clarity over with elite sportsmen or sports people, whatever, what exactly happens to them when they're returning to training? Is it a five-day period? Is it the 10 days that we all have to have? Because obviously this new rule that's coming in is for double-jabbed people. And like I said, I don't know about hurricanes, vaccinations, jabs. I wouldn't even want to guess. But all I know is that looking across the Premier League, I don't imagine many of them have had their double jabs because of their age. You know, they're not old enough to have kind of got to that stage. Not, not an old man like me. But, you know, I just, yeah, we're going to see. We'll find out very quickly because I think as soon as he's back in, Spurs will very quickly shove up photos of him to say Harry's back um, and it'd be interesting to see whether he breaks his silence because he's been very quiet on it all he hasn't you know really made any statement but kind of you feel like if this does become something bigger than what it currently is he's he's putting himself out there a bit he is kind of without saying words saying everything um, and yeah yeah I, you know I personally can't speak for him but I'm sure I'm sure we'll find out pretty soon whether he's going to uh, be coming back quickly or this is going to become a much bigger thing, which I think just won't help anyone. I don't actually think it does Man City's cause any good. I think sometimes in the past we've looked at things and thought, oh, you know, if uh, player X kicks off and goes on strike, it makes it easier. I don't think that's the case when it's Daniel Levy involved. I think it would go the other way. And, you know, people might point to... You know, the likes of Bale, Modric, Berbatov, there were some suggestions that they, not down tools, but didn't rush back and stuff like that. But with those players, you weren't talking about the astronomical, incredible figures that we're talking about for Harry Kane. Obviously, Bale was a hell of a lot of money, but I don't think at the time there were many things comparable in terms of a price that was a, Spurs were able to push it to ridiculous amounts. Whereas I think, funnily enough, it's City's, it's City's moving for Grealish that absolutely, in a way, stuff's came because it, you know, Jack Grealish is a terrific player. He really is. He's a fantastic player. But if he's 100 million, what is Harry Kane? <laughs> I'm sorry. But Harry Kane has scored so many goals. He's the Premier League's top goal scorer, top assist maker. Um, he's the England captain. He's got three years left on his deal. 
we're not talking about a player, oh yeah, if he's 100, he's 101. It's, just, it's not. It's like, this is a guy who's right up there. And I've seen talk of player exchange bids, all this sort of stuff. And it doesn't really work like that in real life, does it? So I think that's something maybe we see in games a lot, but it's it's less less kind of prevalent in, in real football. Obviously, we saw Eric Lamella going the other way for Brian Hill. So it does happen. But I just think when you're talking about, and this is not meant with too much disrespect to Tottenham or, or no aim to anyway, how many Man City players would really want to swap what is happening at Man City with what's maybe going on at Tottenham? You know, for me, I see all these names mentioned and I kind of think, obviously, you know, most players, probably as a big old percentage of players in football would like to play for Tottenham. But if you're a Man City player, I just don't see it. And I find that very difficult that they're not going to just be a purely finance deal. And that's where I think it falls down. Yeah, well, I think in terms of obviously Man City players coming the other way, I think what doesn't help Tottenham this year is obviously they're in the uh, Europa Conference League, they're not in the Champions League. Obviously, that's so appealing to players and obviously you're going to have Man City players who are on the periphery of the team and in and out who probably would like first team football but having no Champions League football and it's going to be a, a massive massive thing for them because I mean they're pretty much just guaranteed medals at City going on the past few years so I think ideally they'd probably just want to stay there but in terms of this Kane deal I think the last thing what Tottenham don't want to happen is basically it drags on right until the end of the window and we've seen stuff like this happen before and then come deadline day they go right we'll sell him now and then obviously you've got no time at all to bring in a replacement so yeah they can't can't do that cannot do that but we'll see how things play out do you think if say City do offer 150 million plus could that sway Daniel Levy Oh, it's so difficult. Just just before it goes out of my mind, when you were mentioned about the Europa Conference League and the difference to the Champions League, all I've got in my head now is I'm thinking of the Champions League theme and I'm wondering what they do for the Europa Conference League. Is it like some bloke that rolls out the pub and, goes, and it's like his own version of a European song? It's like, what theme tune does the third tier competition have? It's like, oh my goodness. I just, yeah, I knew that. As soon as it all came out on the day that the um, the draw was being made, you just thought, oh, my goodness, literally every draw that could be made is going to be said, oh, yeah, I'm sure Harry Kane's desperate to go and play in that game. It's just, oh, man, it's it's not good. But um, in terms of the money, it's difficult because it comes to a point now where it might be a point of principle, doesn't it? You know, do they just say no? You know, next summer, perhaps. But, you know, perhaps that's Harry Kane or his people will say, well, that's what they said last year. I don't know. But, yeah, it's the difficulty for me is is how you replace him. And it almost comes to a point where it doesn't matter how much you get. Because, obviously, he probably does the job of maybe two, almost two and a half, three players in the Tottenham team with the things he does. Um, and, you know, we're going to talk about various players that might come in. But you look at a lot of players out there there's very few that you could bring in that could do the same job. You'd essentially have to assemble like a two or three players to kind of take on various elements of what he does. And if that's the case, then you're pretty much you're spending the let's let's use 150 million as an example. Let's say it's 150 million. You're going to have to then spend the 350 million pound kind of fees, aren't you, on players to try and do the same thing? And then on top of that, there's the risk and the gamble element of it. You know, you don't know whether, let's be honest, the bulk of those players will probably come from abroad. You don't know whether they're going to settle in the Premier League. It's such a risk, whereas you've got Harry Kane and you know he will get you 25, 30 goals a season and all the assists as well. It's, I can kind of see why it's almost a gamble just to accept silly money um, because I don't think throwing money at a problem actually solves it most of the time. And I think Tottenham are the perfect example of why that doesn't work. You know, I know the fans will always want transfers, and of course they will. We always want transfers. But I would say in Tottenham in the past, when they've thrown money at it, I mean, God, they replaced Gareth Bale with seven players. And probably Ericsson was the one that actually really worked. 
Lamella obviously was a last man standing, so you could say that he did his job. Everyone else had varying degrees of success until you got to zero pretty much with some of them. You know, poor old Vlad Kirikesh pretty much came in and, and, and went. Um, poor old Bobby Soldado. Ah, oh, I had such high hopes for him. But yeah, it's it's no guarantee, and that's the problem. You're probably more guaranteed, even with a slightly unhappy Harry Kane, to do better than you are spending £150 million on replacements. And I think that's where Tottenham's head's probably at. And also, you know, there's a there's an element of if you're going to sign a big six-year deal in 2018, then three years in, you can't really, or you shouldn't maybe throw, I'm not saying it's throwing a strop, but you shouldn't say, right, I want out now. Don't sign a six-year deal. Sign like even Sonny, obviously he's a bit older, but you know, sign a four-year deal, perhaps. Sign maybe at the most of five, but a six-year deal. And I've seen some fans saying, Oh, you know, he get terrible wages compared to what he'd get elsewhere. He's not. He's very, very well paid, as all Premier League players are, obviously, relatively to uh, the likes of you and me and, and many others out there in the working world. But I just, yeah, I don't buy this whole he could earn like silly money elsewhere. I mean, I saw, obviously, the report that said he would earn 400000 at Man City. It's like, I get it. That is silly money. But is it, you know, would that even be the case? That would be just ridiculous money we're talking about. But maybe, hey, maybe that would be a driver. I'd like to think it's not. I don't think Harry Kane is money motivated. I don't, everything I've seen... You know, obviously, been very fortunate to interview him a fair few times over the years, and he comes across as, well, as the ultimate professional, which was what makes all of this even more unexpected. And I think that's probably what shocked a few people. I mean, obviously, you, you've you've watched him, you've listened to him, you've spoken to him. It's like, are you surprised that this is where we're at with him? Uh, I'm surprised it's come to this. What's happened today? Obviously, as I mentioned earlier, we've seen players in the past who've you know not turned up because they want the transfer but I never expect Harry Kane to have done this uh but like you said could might just be a misunderstanding in terms of uh when he was due back so that's one thing we'll have to wait and see but I think I know you're on about the money there if you say he was going to get 400,000 a week at City I don't think he's motivated by the money I think it's because he wants the trophies and I think, you know, if you go to City, you're going to get the trophies. At the very least, you're going to be uh, getting a League Cup medal because they just seem to win that every year. You know, they're going to be uh, going for the Premier League title. They'll be in and around, uh, you know, the semi-finals of the Champions League and they'll probably have a good run in the FA Cup. So, you know, you're going to be uh, guaranteed medals if you go to City. And I think that's the motivation, not money. But it's going to be really interesting to see how this all plays out now, especially over the next 13 days because it is Man City at home first at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium on Sunday, August the 15th. Anyway, we'll move away from talk of Harry Kane because there is some other news at Tottenham today and that is in terms of Christian Romero, the Atalanta defender. It's a player Tottenham really keen on this summer and it does now look like Spurs uh, edging closer to a deal with the Italian side. I think they're more confident now of sealing the deal around 50 million euros. It's about 43 million pounds. So fingers crossed that will be a deal what they can get over the line because they do need to bring in uh, a top quality defender to uh, solve those defensive woes that they've had at the club over the past two seasons. Obviously, you were at the open training session on Saturday, Ali, and I know you were asked a certain question all the time. So... I'll ask it to you. What's the latest with Romero? <laughs> it was, it was lovely to. It was lovely to I had loads of people coming up, and it was lovely to meet them all. But yes, I had ninety eight percent of them. I'd say were saying Romero news, and probably about sixty percent were also adding in. What's the latest with Harry Kane? Um, obviously, we we, were, we we didn't expect this to happen on the Monday, um, but yeah. Christian Romero, let's have a little bit of positive news. Uh, yeah, the club, very much, there's a growing confidence now that this is going to get done. Uh, it's been a complicated deal. God, when did you and I, we kind of essentially broke the the news God, a couple of weeks back saying that they were in advance talks for both Galini and Romero. 
Um, yeah, it was good. Probably two, two or three two, weeks ago. Yeah, two or three that, weeks yeah. ago. And those talks have just kind of dragged on for. It was Galini. It was all done pretty sharpish. But with Romero, it has. It's like a, I keep getting told it's a really complicated deal that they're doing, which I'm sure many Spurs fans will say, "Why has it got to be complicated? Just pay the money." And I get that frustration, but I think with Tottenham where they're at, and we know how they operate, and they structure deals in certain ways. Um, I think Atalanta also wanted to get um, replacements in, and that's what I'm told that we're now. There's a kind of a loose agreement in principle that's there, and now it's just about finalising that. Um, like you say, it's, it's roughly 50 million euros. So you're looking at 43 million. I don't know whether that's going to be also add-ons on top of that as well. There could well be and, and potential things that come into play depending on how well he does. Um, but yeah, that they it also Atalanta need to get this replacement in. Um, they've also brought in the young lad uh, Matteo Lovato from is it Hellas Verona? I think he's come from. Yep, that's right. But I think they they want to bring in a little bit more. Like, <sighs> maybe a, a finale player. I don't think Lovato certainly is very far off. I think he's very good by the sounds of it, but I think they just want that extra kind of, um, how do I put it? Just that extra kind of person in the bank, as it were, just to be able to cover the position. A bit like we're saying with Harry Kane, you know, he's, he's kind of as good as two or three players. I think for Romero was so big for them last season. You know, he was Serie A defender of the year, which is no mean feat in, in that league, which obviously there's a lot of focus on defending as well. Um, so I think they want to get that tied up, but there's definitely more of a confidence now that while this isn't a done deal, it really never is with Tottenham Hotspur. As if this summer has taught us that more than any other summer, it's never a done deal until they're holding up that shirt. Um, but certainly there's a real belief now that this is going to start heading towards the finishing line. Um, and, you know, he's he's very keen to come. I'm told personal terms have already been agreed. That's all sorted out. It's not a case of that. It's just finalising the exact kind of makeup of this um, fee with with Atalanta. And obviously, Atalanta, which kind of we're always talking about Atalanta, but we must also stress that technically he's a Juventus player. <laughs> um, so Atalanta first have to. Uh, it's a two year contract, a loan deal they've got with him, and uh, they can pay this permanent fee, which has completely gone out of my head. It wasn't a lot though. It's like 15, 16 million. It's not a lot. Yeah, something around that fee. Uh, obviously, not a lot compared to what they're going to sell him on to Spurs. So it's a uh, it's a nice profit for them coming their oh, way. A huge profit. Yeah, huge. Um, but I suppose there's a little bit, like I say, the element of Harry Kane. It's like you've got to make sure you're replacing him with players that do the job just as well. Because obviously, Atalanta been a terrific team in recent seasons. They're really aiming for big things, and they're in Champions League again this season, aren't they? They'll get the proper music before their match. Um, but yeah, it's for me. It's so it's it's almost like really disappointing that the Harry Kane stuff came out at the same time that this is starting to edge towards its conclusion. Because for me, this will be a hell of a signing. This will be this should be a signing that actually says to Harry Kane, "Look, look, we're trying to not only fix the problems, but we're bringing in the best defender in Italy last season to do so." Um, I mean, I don't know about you, but I kind of feel he's he could be a game changer for Tottenham at the back. Hundred percent. I mean, I've not watched a lot of Atalanta over uh, the past year or Genoa, where he was for the two years previously. But Serie A is renowned for being such a defensive league. So to win the Defender of the Year award in the league that uh, shows how good he's been. I think it's going to be a very good signing after reading up on him. I think one of the former, I think, Genoa players was saying that basically the first time he watched him, he did remind him a bit of Thiago Silva when he first went to Serie A. So there's certainly a very good player in there. And obviously Juventus have bought him uh, for a reason because he's because uh, he excelled uh, in his time at Genoa. So it's a good player there. Obviously a Copper America winner now after uh, forcing his way into the Argentina team and helping them win. So I think all in all, it's going to be a, a good deal. And then fingers crossed, I know in the past we've seen a number of the foreign players when they have come, it's taken them time to adapt. But, you know, Romero going on how he's played, if he can adapt really quick, then I think he could potentially fix Spurs' uh, backline rather quick. And that's something that definitely needs to happen after the past couple of seasons. I know. I love the whole 
slightly incestuous nature of Fabio Paratici being the man that sold him to Atalanta <laughs> and also being the man to buy him back. Um, it's Yeah, I mean, it's intriguing to see kind of how Paratici comes out of this transfer window and how he's done because obviously he's got two deals done so far. There's this one now looks to be heading towards its conclusion and, you know, you hope all three will be will be good uh, goodbyes. Obviously, Galini will talk a little bit about it in a, in a bit, and, and Brian Hill, I'm told to pronounce it, as if I'm trying to spit on the microphone. Um, obviously, one of the hottest young talents in Spain right now. So if he gets Romero as well, it's it's been very good introduction so far for, for Paratici, who is a man who I have watched, was it, three preseason friendlies I've been at so far and the open training. Every, I'd say 99% of those, the minutes I've seen him, he has been talking on his phone to someone. Um, you know, it may well be that he's asking his mum what's for tea later, but I'd, I'd expect <laughs> it's a lot of that is going to be transfer dealings and negotiations. As we've said before, he has this really weird spiderweb way of working where he does negotiations for up to 10 players for every position in his squad he wants. So, you know, just, oh, my goodness, can you imagine the various things going on at one time? His phone, it must just, it just be, has, he must have about eight people on call waiting the whole time he's, he's on the phone. Um, but, yeah, it was the way he works. It was kind of successful for a, a long period at Juventus. Um, and, yeah, I think the key for him and the key for Tottenham, which we'll come to in a bit, is is getting players out the door. But in terms of coming in, do think Romero could be an absolutely fantastic signing. You know, knows LaSalle so well. Um, obviously, he's, he's got training back at Atalanta, so he's not going to come in completely, f- like, you know, having rested and then not know, you know, and, and then have to get back his fitness. He's already working on that Atalanta. So, yeah, I, I, I'm excited to see kind of what happens with him and also who he plays alongside. Are we expecting another centre-back coming in then before the Man City game? Or do you think it could potentially be Joe Roden? Do you fancy to start against City on the opening weekend? Oh, man, this is where I'm really going to upset people. I'd be surprised if Eric Dyer isn't starting that first game against Man City. I'd be surprised, which I'm guessing at the start of the window, if I'd said that, you might find me strung up somewhere in a, like a town square by an angry mob. But... I just kind of feel where we're at now. Romero clearly is going to come in very close, I'd imagine, to the Man City game, hopefully before. I don't think we can take another two weeks of Romero news. Um, but then you look at it, and obviously Alderweireld's gone. Uh, Roden, um, is obviously, he's back and he's training. Um, he had a terrific Euros, Roden. So I, I'd be surprised if he doesn't emerge as a main man. Um, Davison Sanchez is an interesting one. There's certainly interest in him, not least from Sevilla. Um, I'd say if Davison Sanchez heads out the door, I'd be surprised if Tottenham then don't try and bring another centre-back. Um, but whether it's before Man City, that's a tough one. I think I do wonder whether Spurs are going to do the old classic of trying to see whether they can get better deals out there in the final fortnight or so of the season. Um, which frustrates the fans like mad, and I understand why. But I just, it sounds so depressing to say for them because I know they want to hear different, but I'd be surprised if we see a very different-looking centre-back pairing uh, against Man City. Like I said, Adeveril's not there, so you've got one change definitely. Um, But I do, I'd be very surprised if Eric Dyer isn't playing in that game. And I would say, again, the Eric Dyer haters will descend upon me in their droves. I would say that in the cup final, Eric Dyer was, wasn't was one of the worst players on that pitch by a long shot. I thought he, Alderweireld and Loris were probably the three best players on the pitch. Um, so, yeah. I'd, yeah, in answer to your question, <laughs> I'd, I'd be surprised if... It'd be wonderful if Romero was back and was in a position to do it, but I'd also be worried about throwing him in there into such a big game if he's not 100% fit and ready to do it. Spurs and Argentines, they have a slight issue with injuries. Um, obviously, we've had Lamella and Lacelso with their problems. Even Juan Foyth picked up a few knocks. I think Azaniga was probably the only one who didn't have too many recently. And they really don't want to bring in Romero and then injure him straight away. In terms of 
outgoings then. Obviously, we've seen a number of players linked with moves away uh, from Tottenham so far this summer. At the moment, it's Toby Alderweireld who's headed to Qatar. Eric Lamella has gone to Sevilla. There's been a couple of loan deals with obviously Troy Parrott going to MK Dons as well. Players such as Serge Aurier, he's made it clear he's not going to sign a new contract and wants to head out of the door. Moussa Soko certainly looks like one of these players who could potentially be on his way, as is the case with Vincent Sanchez. Jivet Tanganga has been linked with a loan move to Galatasaray. Joe Hart could be off to Celtic. When Tottenham fans obviously want to know when will these deals be happening. Could we see a few of them over the next fortnight going through? I think they have to. They have to. They have to start getting things moving. And the, and the problem is, is without goings, you're absolutely kind of beholden to the clubs making bids. And and that's kind of you. It's not, I, I get the frustrating from people uh, out there who's like, well, just get rid of Oreo, get rid of um, you know Sissoko, get them out the door. But unfortunately, it doesn't really work like that. You have to wait for interest. Like I was told, and it was only up to God, when was it? At the weekend, that had been very little interest in taking Sissoko from people. Um, you know which. This is the this is the thing as well that sometimes I think fans maybe just miss slightly is that if you think some and this is not saying they're rubbish but if you are a fan who thinks someone's rubbish how are you going to convince someone else then to sign him because he's rubbish or whatever it's like it doesn't work just like here you go and just kind of I don't know, just pretending oh he's excellent no no you love him have him go on sign him sign him doesn't really work like that and then we look at even Toby Alderweireld is a great uh, example. Toby Alderweireld, you know, probably Spurs fans would say perhaps Spurs' best defender in recent years, you know, since Vertonghen has moved on, certainly. Um, but Vertonghen, even at his peak, or maybe just after after the injury, 25 million he was available for. No one, no one made that bid. Nobody made that bid. This summer, you know, you look at it and he was available. He wanted to leave. He asked to leave the club. Who came in? A team from Qatar. And, you know, I think a couple of Belgian teams were interested but couldn't afford his wages. So you're talking about probably the best defender in some fans' eyes last season. And eventually the only outlet they could get rid of him to was a team in Qatar. It's like, how do you think that makes it even more difficult for the other players? You know, um, yeah, Serge Aurier, I, I think he'll move on. Um, from what I understand, I think he's quite confident he's going to move on as well. But I think it would just be nice if someone told Tottenham um, and, then, and actually made that bid for him because it's kind of just wasting everyone's time. You know, he was there and he was there at the open training and it's almost a case of, look, if you don't want to be here, Tottenham don't want him to be there. He's got 12 months left of his deal. Just crack on and get it done. If your agent has something lined up, just get it happening now. Don't wait till August the 31st to get the you know, lowest possible deal for the buying club or whatever. And no, I should point out, obviously, that's often Tottenham's tactic. So some people would maybe say that's only fair. But it just I don't think it does anyone any favours. I think a player moving to a club, having not experienced the pre-season with that club and going a couple of weeks into the season, I don't think it does them any favours. They're playing catch-up almost for the rest of the season. So I don't get that logic myself. Um, so, yeah, Ore Sissoko, you'd expect Tottenham will hope to get to the end of this window and both have left. Joe Hart, I'd imagine he'll end up at Celtic. Um, you know, he'll head there. And I, I think the only difficulty with Celtic was was covering his wages. I think that was something that they had to sort out. I'd be intrigued to see what happens with Cameron Carter-Vickers. Um, you know, some suggestions that perhaps Celtic have got a bit of an interest in him as well, whether that ends up becoming a bit of a like a double deal thing where they sort out something for Joe Hart because of, putting a bit, little bit extra on for Cameron Carter-Vickers, I don't know. I know he certainly is is a, a man in, in a bit of demand. He is one of those players that Tottenham do have a fair bit of interest for. So now I'll be very interested to see what happens with him. And then you've got players like Jaffet Tanganga, who, who probably does need a loan move. Um, I like Jaffet a lot. I think he's a very good young player. Um, but what I would say with him is he's probably not right now first choice in any position. And I think... He needs a bit of an Oliver Skip loan, that type loan. He needs to be playing every single minute, week in, week out for a team. 
And I think he'll come back to Tottenham next year absolutely buzzing. That's what's happened. Skip has come back and everyone's saying, it's such a cliche, but he went away a boy. He's absolutely come back a man. He is so confident. He's You see him out on the pitch. He's dominating in the way he plays. And that's exactly what I think Tanganga just needs. So obviously a loan move for him, that would bring in a little bit of money as well because that kind of player doesn't go for free. You get a loan fee for him. Um, and then, yeah, but they need to get the players out the door because then if they're looking at the various targets that I think we're going to talk about in a minute, you need more funds. You really do. Yeah, uh, obviously one of those who has been linked with a uh, move to Tottenham is Dusan Vlajevic, Fiorentina. Really good season uh, for the player in Serie A last season, scoring for fun. That He's been linked with £40 million pound move to Spurs. I think that's the fee. Yeah, you're like 40, 40 to 50, yeah. If Spurs do go for Vlajevic, then do they play two up front, what happens in terms of the formation then? Because it's very hard to see Spurs paying 40 plus million for a striker and then leaving him on the bench and playing second fiddle to Harry Kane. Yeah, you can't do that. We've, we've you know, Spurs have done that. They've done the, the Vincent Janssen route. They've done the experienced Fernando Lorente route. They've done the lone player in Vinicius coming in route, just, you know, where you're not beholden to playing him in every match. But if you're going to go for a Vlajevic, you're going for a player who has to start most weeks. You don't spend that money and he doesn't. So you do. You change your system. Uh, Nuno Espirito-Santo has played with a, a front two um, at, at points during his managerial career. I think he did it at Porto a fair bit. He played with a 4-4-2 diamond formation. Um, and, he, and he can totally do it. I, I, I think Vlajevic is certainly a player that Paratici really likes. And I think if Tottenham can get the money in, I think that's one that could happen. Um, it just I'm intrigued to see what it would mean for Son because I think Son probably had his best season last season playing almost as a strike partner for Kane at times whereas this would push him back to mainly being a, a winger whether it be on the right or left um, yeah it's all about that balance isn't it it's quite it's going to be interesting for Spurs to Santa. If, if Spurs get the players in they want this summer he's going to have a lot of terrific options but he's going to have really uh how do I put it? It's like making the ingredients to actually make the cake taste nice. You know, you might have all these lovely ingredients, but if you mix them in the wrong way, it can come out as an absolute disaster. Um, but Vlajevic, yeah, he's he's very much a striker. He's not a man who can go out wide, really. He's not going to play that role. You can maybe argue that Kane could come a bit deeper, but is that getting the best out of Harry Kane or do you more want him to be only coming back when he feels he needs to rather than as a permanent position? Um, yeah, Vlajevic is a talent. He's only 21 as well. He is absolutely Tottenham profile signing. And he'd be a very, very good signing, I think, as well. Because um, he's, not, he's not a small lad. I think, he's a, I think he could take the physicality of the Premier League as well. I mean, you know, Spurs have also got a long-standing interest in Danny Ings. He's a player that they've looked at a lot. Whereas Danny Ings, obviously, with his contract situation, would probably be cheaper, I'd imagine. But you'd have questions over the long-term kind of viability. Whereas Vlajevic, look, let's say in, we don't want to hear it, but let's say Kane did leave next season. Would you in Vlajevic have this scenario, a bit like Galini and Loris, where you kind of have the successor learning alongside that player? Do you think that might be the case? Yeah, uh, definitely. I think you'd rather have him. Vlajevic this season playing alongside Kane and then you've got a ready-made replacement to step up because the last thing you want to do is, for instance, say to sell Harry Kane next summer and then you're bringing in a player from Serie A or another foreign league and it does take a number of them time to step up. So, I mean, it could be November, December time by the time they're, uh, you know, top form and uh, scoring the goals. So, if you bring Vlajevic in this summer, then I think it would be uh, certainly a good deal for Spurs. And then, fingers crossed, they could really kick on from the following season. But I think if they get Vlajevic, who, as you said, is 21, uh, Brian Hill's a young young player as well. Christian Romero's 23. Pierluigi Galini's 26. What's a good age for a goalkeeper? I think you're building a really good team for the future there. And I think that's uh, 
what Spurs need to be doing after what's happened over the past couple of years. So fingers crossed they can get a few deals over the line and, you know, start building for the future. We'll move away from transfers now because there's also some uh, very big news today and that is the <laughs> Europa Conference League playoff draw. I'm sure everyone's been looking forward to it. How do you say this. that with a straight face? Well, it's a competition that can go out and win. So we'll have to yeah, wait and see. That is true. And, and the irony is if anyone knows Tottenham Hotspur, there was so many like, decades where they weren't in European competition. I think it's kind of testament to how much Tottenham have probably risen in recent years that actually were able to have a little chuckle about being in the Europa Conference League. Yeah, so Spurs will enter at the uh, playoff round. The third, qualif- third qualifying round starts on Thursday uh, and ends the following Thursday. And then Spurs, I think it's the 19th and 26th when they come into it. Uh, Spurs will play Pacos de Ferreira from Portugal. I think that's how you pronounce it. I won't, I won't ask you because you're as uh, good at me. With the, uh, pronunciation I am, so yeah, don't ask me. So basically, it's either Pacos de Ferreira or Lan from Northern Ireland. So in terms of uh, Pacos de Ferreira, they finished fifth in the Portuguese league last year. Did beat Porto as well at one stage in the league as well, I think. So certainly not an easy one. And as we saw 12 months ago in the Europa League uh, qualifying round, Spurs almost lost straight away. I think it was the Lokomotiv Plovdiv first or Shekindija, someone like that, wasn't it? Needed a couple <laughs> of late goals names. to go through. These yeah. incredible names that you get in these competitions are fantastic. Um, yeah. Spurs could yeah, obviously come up Lana, against... I was going to say, yeah. didn't Lana, I think Lan, Lana, Lan, uh, <laughs> I'm already killing just the simplest name. Um, I think they beat a Danish side in qualifying as well, didn't they? There are no mugs, you know. These aren't going to be absolute walkover games at all. Um, I think I've seen some people saying they're putting the under-23s out. I don't think they can really afford to go that weak in the team. No, I think last season, I think everyone was pretty much expecting Mourinho to put out uh, the kids for the qualifiers in the playoff round, but he went pretty much full strength, really. Really strong team, just obviously to get into the uh, competition. Uh, no teams in the Europe Conference League go straight into the group stage. Everyone has to go through qualifiers or the playoffs. Spurs are one of the four teams who enter at the playoff round. So, fingers crossed, uh, two wins from both games and they'll be in the group stage, what starts in September. The final is in Tirana in Albania, uh, what should be uh, interesting if they get there in May. I think it's a uh, stadium that holds about 20,000, so I don't know how many fans will be in attendance there. don't know what the allocation will GSD, be. stop exciting the fans too much, all right? I'm not sure <laughs> they'll be able to handle the excitement <laughs> of a final in Albania. Although, quite frankly, they would probably take any final right now. Yeah, exactly. Well... I think we've had enough uh, Europe Conference League talk anyway. Don't want to <laughs> excite anyone too much then. Uh, we'll move to open training as you were there the other day at uh, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Uh, I know you noticed a lot of things. You were putting videos out of uh, Galini in action. Uh, Eric Dyer bringing Tangi and Dumbelli down as well in a small side oh, of the yeah. game. How was the open training? What did you make of it? It was a funny atmosphere. There was 5,000 5, fans there. Um, they they got into the spirit of it. They really enjoyed it. Um, it was a little chance to see just sometimes, just, you know, how do I put this? You don't see clearly what would happen behind closed doors. You don't get to see exactly what a training session would like, but it gives you a good idea. Um, and obviously to see Galini in action um, was interesting. He's very quick on his feet. He's a character. He really is a character. I think he's going to, you're going to see probably Spurs use a lot of him in their um, social media stuff coming up because he, he's very quickly got in among the squad and, and made a bit of a name for himself. And yeah, there was a funny little moment when he, the goalkeeping um, coach and the other two goalkeepers, Whiteman and Hart, were both really putting him through his paces, firing shots at him, and he was saving. Certainly in this little period, he saved every single shot and he pushed one of them up high in the air and it came down and it hit a steward who was pitch side and he kind of ran over and did the very kind of public apologising to him and rubbing his shoulder, checking he was okay. Um, Yeah, he looks like he's going to settle in pretty well. 
It's yeah. He was interesting. Oh yeah, Dyer non Dembele. Eric Dyer just before that pulled off a brilliant goal line sliding clearance, which got the whole crowd absolutely raving about it. Obviously, those who aren't the biggest fans of Dyer will <laughs> will not be impressed by that. And particularly because, yeah, not too long after, um, Tommy Underbelly absolutely did him down the flank. Um, I think he was, just, he was just doing step over after step over, got past Dyer, who did what Eric Dyer will sometimes do, and just shoved out a leg and brought him down. Tommy Underbelly sat on the floor looking for an imaginary ref because there wasn't one to stop the game. And of course, as is always the way with football, Lucas Mora robbed the ball off the defender at the other end and scored. And that was actually the last goal of the entire session. So Ondebele sat there looking very unhappy, walked across to the side, had a bit of a strop, threw a cup, sat down, throwing his arms in the air like he uh, like he likes to do. Um, and, yeah, it, you know, it wasn't a big deal. Dyer came over and, and they kind of made up and it, it wasn't something that was going to last. That happens on the training pitches all the time. But uh, I just thought it was a funny little insight that even in that scenario, even with the fans watching on, he uh, he still uh, he still had a little strop. Um, and it'd be interesting. I think it could be interesting to see what Ndombele is like this season because I think he will lose his mates. Um, and that's not to say he's been horrible or anything. But we, but you know, it looks like Orion Sissoko will head off. And it's going to be interesting to see how two players that he's been very close with. I know he's very close with Son as well. They got on very well. Um, but yeah, I'd be interested to see kind of how that affects him. And obviously he's just become a dad as well. That there's going to be a very big season from them, Bele. It's going to be interesting to see how he deals with it all. Um, you know, I, I don't make any, I don't make any attempt to hide it. I'm a big Tongi fan. I think I watch football because of the players that can do things that are that little bit of magic. And for me, Tongi does that. Tongi is a game changer. Like we talk about Romero and defence. At the other end of the pitch and in the midfield, you know, even in the training sessions, players are barely getting close to him. He is just, they used to say that about Moussa Dembele. Even in training, it was almost pointless to even try and get the ball off him. With Von Dembele, it's very similar. You could see it. They, they either bounce off him or he just spins away from them. Um, and I think he could be incredible. I think he had a much better season last year, and I think he needs to keep going with that. And it'll be. Yeah, I'd love Ondebele to be one of the best players in the Premier League because he's got the ability. It's just everything else about his game. Just just making sure the attitude's at the right level and the consistency, the fitness, the application. Not probably sitting on the floor throwing cups when you've had one bad tackle. It's about getting back up and, and making sure that you, your actions do the talking, you know. Um, and also a little bit about the players that weren't there. You know, there was no Loris, no Davies, no Sissoko, no Joe Roden. Uh, I'm told that some of the players, Joe Roden included, were being put through double sessions at Hotspur Way. Um, I think that's been the, very much the feature of the Spirits of Santo preseason, double sessions every, almost every day, um, which under Pochettino wasn't popular, but it got them incredibly fit. So hopefully that returns. Ryan Sessinger wasn't there because he's got this hamstring injury at the moment, but he's not far off. He's back doing pitch work. Um, uh, by that, I don't mean he's doing the shrubbery and stuff for the, the gardeners at Hotspur Way. He's, uh, he's back out there on the grass and he's he's working away and, you know, he hasn't had the best of times with hamstring over the years. Uh, I must stress, this isn't the same hamstring, I'm told, as the serious one he had. Uh, I think it was European Under-21 Championships the year he joined because uh, he even arrived with a hamstring injury. He's had a bit of a mare, but I'm hopeful for Sessegnon. I think if he... Um, it's a bit touch and go whether he'll be back for the first game, but he certainly is not going to be too long. I think for him, after a really successful loan at Hoffenheim in the Bundesliga, I think he needs to push on. He's got quite a bit of competition. That's the only thing I'd say, because it doesn't seem to be that Davies is going anywhere or Regulon. So there's going to be the three of them shooting it out for this spot, unless Davies becomes you know, a, a more of a centre-back, but I'm not entirely sure where that's going to happen. We'll have to see, but... Yeah, big season for Sessegnon. But no, as an open training event, it was very interesting. It was. I love stuff like that. You know, you and I are the same. When we go to Hotspur Way before European games, we get to see a little bit of training. And it's always really fascinating because the players are very much, um, they're not in a match situation. They're, they're in a different environment in terms of that we normally see them in. They're much more comfortable. And you just get to see that little different side to them. 
Yeah. Uh, so obviously you mentioned a number of players there. Uh, Pierre Luigi Gallini, Hugo Lloris, Ben Davis, Joe Roden. Will we see them in action on Wednesday? Obviously, we've had three preseason friendlies so far. On Wednesday, Spurs will make the trip to West London to take on Chelsea. And then the following Sunday it is Arsenal. So what kind of team are we expecting Nuno to put out at Stamford Bridge? Well, I think we've seen with each passing friendly match, the team has got stronger. And not only that, they've lasted longer. You know, some of the early ones, you know, the first one, I think we had something like 10 changes at half time. The second one, there was about seven changes, maybe 55, 60 minutes in. And then we found against MK Dons, most of the players were lasting the bulk of the match. And I think you'll now find that for these two matches, there's also, even if it's a friendly, there's probably a slight pride element to it. You know, you don't want to get tonked in a local derby against Chelsea and Arsenal. It's two very big local derbies as friendlies to have just before the season begins. Uh, it's all for a you know, very good cause with uh, the Mind series. Um, but yeah, there's that little bit of pressure just, just for Nuno Espirito Santo maybe not to go into the season with a real, like, oh God, we played Chelsea and Arsenal, we got stuffed kind of thing before you face Man City. You know, you and I know, and the most, I think, football fans probably understand that a friendly doesn't mean a lot. The score doesn't mean a lot. It really doesn't. It's mainly about getting the players into their match pattern, their shape and their fitness. But you can't help just having that little thing in the back of your mind if they were to lose heavily, say, against one of these teams. It just stays in there. Not only the fans, but maybe some of the players as well. Um, yeah, I'd be intrigued to see kind of who is at what stages of fitness, because that is one thing that Spurs Santo has done. He hasn't been scared to say, you're not ready yet. You go back on the training pitches and do another double session or whatever. Um, and like I say, Hobier and Lacelso, by the, their own of their own accord, have come back a little bit earlier. And that's testament to them, I think, to show the new man, you know, we're we're here for you and we want to make an impression on you. Um, because they both could be very, very big players under a spirit center. You know, Hoybier obviously already was. Um, it might be, I mean, I was told they've been back a few days at this point. So potentially maybe a, a few minutes against Chelsea. But if not, then you save them for the Arsenal game. I suppose the beauty of players like that is they haven't been out and rested for too long. You know, they've had their, you know, Let's also went all the way in the Copa America and won it. Hoybier got to the semi-finals and obviously played extra time as that as well. You know, these are players who probably have just been, just need a bit of ticking over almost until they kind of resume their thing. I think that's the one one thing about coming back with not four months off, whereas maybe, sorry, four months, that'd be a hell of a preseason, uh, four weeks off, is like you'll see Roden and he's come back and he maybe just needs that little bit of time because it's a longer break. And the players who weren't even in international competition, they had about six weeks off, maybe more. That's a shock to your system, whatever work you're doing in the close season. Um, whereas for maybe Hoiber and the Celso, there's a little less tuning up to do. Um, it's just hope that they got enough rest because Hoiber played a lot of football last season. The Celso didn't. The Celso maybe having this summer was probably more beneficial to him. But for Hoiber, he played more minutes than any other outfield player by a long, long way. Um, but yeah, sorry, to answer your question, having gone very much a different direction, I think we'll, it'll be a stronger team and I think against Arsenal, an even stronger one, so they're ready for the City match. Yeah, right. I think we'll uh, leave it there for today's Golden Guest Talk Tottenham, our very first podcast for Football.London. We've discussed plenty from Harry Kane's future to the uh, signing of Christian Romero, other transfers, the Europa Conference League, uh, and obviously... This week's pre-season friendlies as ever. We'll have uh, full coverage on football.london. Ali, I think you're heading to Stamford Bridge, are you, on Wednesday? And then I'm hoping, we'll, hoping. Yeah. yeah, I'm waiting for my accreditation to come through. Hoping. Yeah, and then we'll both be there at uh, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium on Sunday for uh, a North London derby, which should be good. Uh, Golden Guest Tot Tottenham uh, is on, I think, on all good podcast platforms at the moment if you if you want to subscribe i think we've had quite a number subscribing so far so fingers crossed there uh, yeah, everyone thank you did. very much thank you very much to everyone for that you know we we had the incredible moment where you and i both looked on like the charts 
we got sent something that showed that we were at one point in the top 10 for all podcasts across the UK, across all platforms, which is incredible. We're so, so thankful for that. And that was just the trailer. Um, hopefully you enjoyed this first episode. I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to evolve. Like I've said before, we're going to have, we are literally going to have guests, not just the Robert guest. We're going to have other guests as well. Um, and it will evolve, evolve, and especially we'll hopefully be in a scenario soon where Guest and I might be able to do these kind of in person as well, which hopefully will add to the banter that we always enjoy throwing at each other. Um, but yeah, no, we're just delighted to be back, and, and there's a lot more to come from this podcast. Yeah, it's uh, it's great to be back, and as always, there's just there's plenty to uh, discuss about Tottenham. So thank you for joining us, and we'll be back on the podcast next week.